0: from fit questions to style advice right now get up to 30% off at bluenile.com bluenile.com
1: hello and welcome to the football fanalytics podcast in association with 23 This is the show that explores the ever-growing world of football analytics and takes on the many tactical and topical discussions within the game. It's episode 57 and we're talking all things passing this week. My name is Mark Carey and joining me as ever is Ryan Bailey and we are recording from Ryan Bailey's house for the first time.
0: For the first time. And actually it's the first time... (laughs) Actually, the last time we recorded in the same room, you then went on to do your leg about two hours later yeah. after we did that. That's so uh, let's hope that there are no leg-based disasters after this recording session. But yeah, we are in my house, which... And uh, a lovely house it is. Right? Yeah, I wouldn't exactly call it a podcast studio, um, but you know, it's,
1: we're, we're making steps up, Mark, yeah. aren't we?
0: It's very nice to have you in the same room. How are you doing?
1: I'm, yeah, I'm very well, thank you, Ryan. It's episode 57, and it made me think, 57, if I'm not mistaken... Your favourite number?
0: It is my favourite number, actually. I <laughs> didn't even think of it. Yeah, yeah. I am uh, to those who uh, probably most of you who don't follow me on Twitter. I'm Ryan Bailey yeah. fifty-seven. So there's a plug at yeah. Ryan Bailey fifty-seven. Go. Yeah. um But yeah, no, fifty-seven is my favourite number. It was actually my, I believe it was my uncle's motorbike number who used to do mm-hmm. motocross racing. And uh, it was my granddad's favourite number. So, yeah, uh, it's always been 57. There's not really much, uh, much else to it, to be honest. I do, whenever I used to create a player on FIFA, I always used to make myself number 57 you, yeah. on the back of my shirt. I then also used to boost all my stats up to 99, so I was the best player on the game. Of course. Uh, And 57 then obviously became a worldwide renowned number. A little bit, you know, sort of Beckham, Ronaldo, 7-esque. Yeah, uh, of course. 57 thing. But yeah, you don't get many 57s, do you, on football shirts? No, and I was
1: going to say, you don't want your rating to be 57
0: either. No, if I'd have set every stat to that, that would have been been rubbish, really bad. Uh, But yeah, but but there you go. There's an insight into my life. Uh, Go follow me. Yeah,
1: it just (laughs) made me think, episode 57, we've got to talk about it, Ryan. Um, And we've got to talk about the things that have changed since we last recorded. The big one being the confirmation of Eric Ten Hag to Manchester United, confirmed in the last few days. Um, I guess your initial response to that, Ryan, do you think it's going to do you think it's going to work? I mean, for me, it's not even really about whoever comes in. It's about the bigger structure of yeah. Manchester United. That's, the, the narrative is, is definitely true. From top to bottom, things need to change. It's not just about the coach.
0: Well, first of all, I mean, they took their time over announcing it and it did feel a little bit like they were saving some iota of positive news mm. uh, to try and deflect from the absolute travesty of what's going on there. Um, at the time of recording... Arsenal and Man United is about to kick off in half an hour, so everything I say right now might be updated. But they announced the Ten Hag news after the the four nil thrashing of uh, of yours truly best oh, team, yeah. didn't they? Um, and I remember just watching that game and just thinking, this is an utter shambles, isn't mm-hmm. it? That they, they looked like they could be a mid championship team, devoid of any sort of confidence and ability and everything. It was utterly disgraceful um, and I don't even care too much to be honest you know, you know me I'm a guilty Man United fan as opposed to a die hard no. but, um, but yeah it was terrible but then I was watching on Twitter I saw some of Ragnant's comments um, sort of post that game and it feels like since the Ten Hag news he's sort of like levelled up his you feel like he's on the edge all the time, don't you? Of just completely going, do you know what? This place is an utter shambles. Mm. Like he kind of keeps dropping in hints, doesn't he? Of what needs to change, the culture, the people, etc., etc. And And you feel like he's one result from just going, do you know what? I don't
1: need this. This yeah. is an
0: absolute mess. These people don't know what they're doing and here's why and here are the people. Yeah, that's well, how I feel.
1: No, I agree. And I think they're almost dragging... Manchester United dragging down his reputation a little bit because he came in as this person who just thinks differently he was yeah. the, the godfather of the the Gagan press and thinking about high intensity and all that and being influential over Jurgen Klopp Thomas Tuchel and others and it shows that the the common denominator is the club like yeah. a lot of different managers have tried recently um, to to rejuvenate Manchester United the sleeping giant all things like that and no one has been successful, which suggests that there's there's a it's a bad barrel. It's not just that you've got some bad managers.
0: It's a very bad barrel at that as well. It'll be interesting to see, I think, what they do. it would be interesting to see how they handle his, inverted commas, consultancy role mm. after he's finished. Because obviously, as a coach and stuff, it's been quite underwhelming and he feels a bit like a supply teacher. He does. But actually, the stuff he's saying about what needs to change and everything very much echoes what, you know, your Gary Neville's and all the top pundits and everyone and what everyone thinks, really, everyone who knows what they're talking about. And he he seems like he would have a plan and the know-how to make it happen. So it'd be interesting to see whether the reputation and the original plan of having him then try and reset the culture and all that. I feel like everyone says the word culture Mm. so many times at the moment. But it'd be interesting to see if, if... the fact that he's had a bit of a failed interim stint will have any effect on how seriously they take him afterwards, which you kind of think would be a bit of a shame if they didn't really, because he's not not there to be. The manager to turn it around is he that's Mr. Ten Hag's job
1: yeah and I think it's his strength is doing the the stuff more so in the boardroom yeah. it's, it feels like I know why he's mainly come in obviously to to see what the dressing rooms like almost look on the ground what the issues are and then go upstairs and maybe help from a consultancy perspective but his strength is more so that he's proven that in the past few years rather than necessarily being the manager he hasn't managed all that much in the past 10 years actually on the sidelines he's yeah. been more of one to kind of build the club from yeah, from the boardroom or from from upstairs. I don't know whether he actually will fulfill it now. I don't know what the situation is obviously, but I don't know whether he actually will just be kind of like you say, like, do you know what? Like if, I don't if, need this. Yeah, I don't need this. And if you've got a manager who's coming in who I believe that Eric Ten Hag does like to have a lot of control over everything, mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense. Um, whether or not he might just be like, Do you know what, I've I've done everything I can do actually that whole consultancy thing you know I'll shake hands now and just leave. Yeah. I, I don't know but yeah anyway the, the new news is that Eric Ten Hag is confirmed as the new manager of Manchester United starting in the summer and um, that's probably the overriding bit, big news that uh, that's happened since we last recorded yeah. but I think without further ado let's get back into what we do best and speak about a new topic let's do it let's do it Okay, so in this episode, we're going to talk about a specific type of of passing, I suppose. So if I said to you, Ryan, what, what comes to mind when I say packing, what would you say? Uh,
0: in terms of football, I'm not too sure. In terms
1: of uh, packing...
0: That's something I'm absolutely sick of, having just moved house and then unpacking. I don't know if that's part of what we're going to talk about. But uh, but yeah, I'd, so I mean, I don't really know an awful lot about it. I mean, the fact you've said it's something about passing uh, appeals to me straight away. I, I really enjoy it when we talk about uh, different types of passing and different ways of measuring passing values and all that sort of stuff. So uh, I'm interested to see what other ways that we haven't discussed in the past there could be to sort of usefully measure uh, a different type of it so yeah please do uh, enlighten me
1: yeah it's, it's a good point actually because we've spoken about passing obviously we can't get into episode 57 without talking about passing but we, I think it was episode 6 the simple pass that we spoke about the a early different days. type of passing back in the early days for those for the new listeners who haven't listened back um, to our early stuff episode 6 the simple pass is well worth your time and we'll probably come back to that very shortly as to why that's relevant but um yeah, packing. So essentially it's similar to what we've spoken about previously. If I think or if, if I said to you that a player has a hundred percent pass completion, yes. What would you what would sort of what would you think about that player? Well,
0: I think before the
1: football analytics podcast
0: days, the initial thought would have been, Oh, they must be really good at passing. But actually, you know, with the whole context is key, uh, mantra that we live by, mm-hmm. uh, very rarely if you're making high risk passes or sort of th- needle through the th- that's not yeah, how you say threading it. the needle threading the needle yeah. let's ignore that uh if you thread the needle sort of passes uh you know that, that are sort of going to put a striker through or, or whatever you're trying to do then then th- you're, you're very rarely going to have 100 possession so Sorry. Pass completion. Pass yeah. completion even. Um, so you. So yeah, I, I think that obviously I would now think if you've got 100% pass completion rate, you're playing safe, sideways passes, low risk, probably low reward uh, is what I would think.
1: Yeah. I, well, the reward is what we'll come on to, which we've spoken about before mm. in terms of that possession value. I've given it away. That was that was episode six, wasn't it? The possession value, um, which I do think we'll come back to in, in greater depth. But yeah, I mean, we've spoken about it before, the likes of Bruno Fernandes, Trent, Trent Alexander-Arnold, they come to mind straight away as players who don't necessarily have a high pass completion rate, but the value of those passes that they make are far more lucrative than maybe passing it Batchi Batchi back to your goalkeeper, back to your centre-back and things like that. And packing basically has that same sort of vibe to it. So... It, it goes beyond simply pass completion. It looks at that passing in further context. And what it does is essentially measure each time uh, a forward pass or dribble. So it's not necessarily actually just passing. It's obviously possession-based. But a forward pass or dribble is completed. Um, and counting up how many opponents have actually been taken out or bypassed in the process of yeah. that action. Let's call it an action if you're yeah, talking about yeah. pass or dribble. So we're thinking about things like those threading the needle passes, those line-breaking passes. How many players do you take out of the game in a single pass? Um, And that's what packing, in short, essentially is.
0: And that's a common uh, football cliche sort of phrase, isn't it? You've taken six players out of the game there or something... Um, which actually, even though it sounds really simple, is not necessarily something that's explained, is it? I mean, Mm -hmm. so are you saying then if we're... Are we talking about progressiveness in terms of distance up the pitch? So if the ball from... Say I'm looking at the pitch from a side angle from the touchline and then a defender passes to a midfielder through the two strikers Mm -hmm. forward, literally forward, so it's Mm -hmm. gone beyond the the, the distance of the two strikers... Is that what it means? I would have then taken out two players with that pass.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And that would be essentially a line-breaking pass, wouldn't it? Because it's between those two players. I think packing would also constitute passing it almost around. Okay. So let me give an example. As you say, the centre-back has the ball. They pass to the midfielder through those two centre-forwards, as you say. They've taken out... So their packing score at that point is two. They've taken out two players. But they've also done a line-breaking pass between those two players if that center back plays it to the right back with maybe a bit of spin on it that puts it forward still still advancing the ball beyond those two center forwards yeah. he is st- he or she is still packed two they still have a packing score of two i understand if that makes sense so they've just taken out those two players and then when the x player receives the ball they now have two fewer people to go past
0: so we're assigning value are we to each pass or is it like almost like a, an accumulative Say like say say we've done a move imagine a arsenal in their prime sort of move where we've passed our way through a whole team accumulating in a goal. Would we then accumulate how many players we've packed along the way, if you see what I'm saying mm-hmm. like and by the end of that move, we might have packed I don't know all eleven players or or you know, that kind of thing. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, no, I think so. I, I mean, I don't know the, the absolute full ins and outs of it. I think one thing w- that would be useful almost as well is not necessarily to look at how many players, if, if you're talking about maybe a, maybe a centre-back or, or a midfielder, how many players they've packed in that 90 minutes. Let's say they've packed 80 players. If You, you know what I mean? If you add yeah. up each time that you've made a pass, to me, that also lacks context as well because that midfielder might have had the ball the most. So if you yeah, pack yeah. 80 players and you had the ball the most then you're going to obviously have you're going to increase the likelihood that you're going to play the ball beyond people. So it's almost for me where we've done obviously per 90 or per 100 touches or whatever how many how many players do you pack if we're going to use that phrase per pass or per yeah, 100 okay. passes because then that shows an inclination to play a line breaking pass or to play it forward. Rather than just well, they're going to have a higher score because they have the ball more.
0: I see. Do okay. you know what I mean?
1: I always think this about general metrics where it's like where it's like a, a centre back's successful tackles, and it's like okay, well, how but how many tackles did they attempt? Yeah. yeah, because you're going to have more successful tackles if you make more tackles.
0: And if I got brought on in the 90th minute and made one
1: tackle and it was successful, that'd be like 100 yeah. percent success. Yeah, you full need tackle you need that context whether it's per 90, yeah. per 100 passes, 100 touches, whatever so i from what i've seen about packing it maybe doesn't include that but it's very simple to look at yeah. how many passes a player has made in a game how many players they have they have advanced the ball past how many players they've packed so to speak and then work it out from there but- by the way the more
0: we're saying the word packed and packing i'm thinking of this as like a like you just got packed, mate. Like if the yeah. ball passes you in a game or like oh I got packed so many times this game. It's such a weird yeah.
1: phrase to bring up. But it but it's but, not yeah. a term that's actually been I, I don't think I've never that... heard it,
0: genuinely, I've never heard it in all of in all of my days of talking about football with people.
1: Yeah, well it's an interesting sort of tactic and, and metric or whatever you want to call it, but I think it's it has its flaws, I, I think, compared to some of the more advanced metrics which we've spoken about before and, again, we'll come on to. So I think maybe that's why it hasn't taken off quite as much. But it's going back a few years ago now to when it was first sort of created, if you like. It was it was invented by um, two by Leverkusen teammates, actually, Stefan Reinhardt and Jens Hegler. Again, I'm trying my best with I know. these names. And
0: also, just before you go any further, have you got any qualms with their methods? Because, as we've learned, in the past, you may get contacted by someone who's done yeah. this study uh, or invented this metric. They may well come for you if you if you find any, sure it if you
1: if you have any sort of quibbles. Yeah, well, they'd so. be most welcome. to. I mean, I've already sort of mentioned how that context needs to be added. In yeah, terms yeah, of yeah. Packing, you're mate, in trouble, mate. Over. Yeah. But I mean, they'd be most welcome to to come on <laughs> um, on the Football Analytics Podcast. But they, um, I don't know whether they still are, but it's a it's, they basically set up a company called Impact. Um, and it's based in Cologne and it, it does provide, well I don't know whether they still are active, but providing data to clubs um, and I know that they've worked with um, Domenico Tedesco, now manager of RB Leipzig, but um, at the time manager of Schalke when they were working with him, nice. also worked with Thomas Tuchel I believe at PSG when he was at PSG obviously yeah. now at Chelsea so they look at it in terms of their their analysis for for a game of their own players and the opposition players as well yeah um so yeah it's the they it's an interesting sort of topic to to come onto they they essentially count up the number of opponents that have been i guess outplayed by mm. uh, the team and that's what's called the the packing rate and as you would imagine they have got data to show that the more players that you obviously pack if we're going to continue that yeah um the higher likelihood of obviously winning the game is because if you are just maybe getting into a position where you're advancing the ball then crossing it in from wide you've not really advanced the ball past anyone you've not taken anyone out of the game there you've still got a high likelihood of it just being a pretty much a matchup between just 10 of you know your players and 10 opponents as well so it's yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, as I say, created or invented um, from uh two by Leverkusen former players now and they've created this um this company called Impact, which I, I think is really interesting. I think there's there's other metrics that you could simply look at it from. As I say, you can there's companies which look now at line breaking passes and how many players make those or progressive passes, things like that. It taps into that same sort of thing, but as a concept and as a metric. Um, packing is something which I don't think as you say that many people know about
0: No I no, I haven't heard it and also it, it's the same sort of thing with line breaking passes and progressive passes like you just say that's terminology that is used within knowledgeable football circles but if you were down the pub as we've said several times and you you know sort of said how many line breaking passes someone would make there are a few people who still sort of say to you "Well, what, what does that mean like mm. kind of thing so actually this packing is is an interesting way of visualizing it almost because you're if you if you're picturing those lines that you're referring to break in you you're referring to how many players you're moving through with, mm. with a pass or a dribble so i think it it's a nice visual way of of sort of
1: looking at it you know i do that's where i think that my Caveat to this, or my uh, scepticism that we spoke about previously, is that I don't think it distinguishes between those line-breaking passes and maybe that pass which I mentioned, which maybe goes out to the fullback yeah, and yeah. takes players out. I think a line-breaking pass into the centre of a pitch is far more of a skill, far more adding far more value. I think than maybe it it whipping it round to the the fullback. Not to say that that isn't also valuable as well, but I think it maybe lacks that context to say how those players were packed almost, how, yeah. how you've advanced the ball, whether it's maybe going out wide and you've gone round the opposition rather than through the opposition. I think it's a key difference there. So it's kind of lack a bit of context, but overall it maybe is
0: quite useful. So speaking of context then, here's a question that I have. So I'm sort of assuming that, say I've played a beautiful pass that's taken out four people or something and, I've, and it's received by a winger or whoever I've passed to. That's, that's I've packed four people there mm-hmm. what happens if a goalkeeper takes a goal kick and they just absolutely belt it to the target man up top and technically it's gone over the strikers, it's gone over the midfield, it might have gone over a defender or two mm-hmm. and the, the striker gets their head on it but loses possession, it's obviously not done anything in that regard. I've just lumped a long ball, hopefully upfield, hoping for the best. But technically on paper, because it had made contact with a striker and I've I've technically packed, I don't know, Mm -hmm. eight or nine people there. Mm. What what's the deal with that? Because that's obviously a goalkeeper surely would come out on top a lot of the time as as the person who's packed the most players, you know. So how do we distinguish between that and what is an actual useful pass, if you see what I'm saying?
1: No, I I agree. I think that's maybe where and people might you know disagree with this or people might enlighten me a little bit more but i think this is where more advanced metrics like expected threat which we spoke about in episode 19 or possession value again which we spoke about in episode 6 they look more at the the likelihood of scoring essentially when when a player has the ball yeah and then whatever action they do whether it is a pass or a dribble by the time they've almost finished that action made the pass to let's say the winger what is then the likelihood of scoring from that location so, you can obviously then look at it from where the ball is, not just the fact that they've passed the ball from player, well, from X to Y. I so, see. So, I think with the the goalkeeper example, they're starting from a position where it's not very valuable, where they are in their own box. They're not going to score in any time, you know, anytime soon from their own yeah. area. And they're maybe advancing the ball. They might have packed five players let's say but they've advanced it to the fullback who's maybe still on the halfway line mm. now they've packed five players but what happens if then the the fullback gets it and then passes into the between the lines just outside the penalty area and they've maybe packed three players the value that that fullback has added is actually more than the goalkeeper yes because yeah. they've advanced the ball into a dangerous area but in theory their their packing score packing rate, is only three compared to the goalkeeper's five. Yes. So the context there is that well the value actually added is, is higher in the fullback. So we need to obviously take into account the the location of the ball, the location of the player who receives that pass, to then say, okay, well actually that is more valuable. So this is where these more advanced metrics, as I mentioned, possession value, expected threat, can add that more that bit more context, mm. if that makes sense.
0: Which you've done well actually in terms of expected plugs. Uh, per episode, exactly. you've, you've done pretty well there. But I remember when we looked at expected threat and possession value, they are some of the metrics that have stood with me for, for a, a lot of the episodes that we've we've sort of done. So it's definitely worth listeners going back and looking at those because that really makes you look at you know the, the different value players are adding, really. And that's actually when I'm watching a football game now from an amateur point of view, mm-hmm. I still find that really interesting to think, well, how much is that pass actually done, or you know that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So. Yeah,
1: Yeah. no, you're absolutely right. And I think it's it's a two-way street. I think let's pause for thought and give some examples of maybe how that could work.
0: Mm. I do love it when we pause for thought because uh, I need to get my brain around new metrics. So, yes, let's do that.
1: Okay, so, yeah, true to form, it's always good for us to talk about a concept. And sometimes we think about it quite abstract, Mm -hmm. you know, because it is tricky to to talk about these things whether it's a data perspective or tactic so it's always good to give an example where mm. possible so is there anything any players or any examples that you can think of Ryan that would, would show this in effect in terms of packing
0: it's funny because the actual example I was thinking of when I asked you about the goalkeepers a goal kick is one thing but I think there was an example that I tweeted about actually it was Alisson against Man United the mm. other day and he played this utterly ridiculous pass out of his hands that I think it found Mane in a dangerous situation it wasn't just a lumping it upfield and hoping someone would run onto it it's, it was one of those that they do where they sort of throw the ball high and then sort of side volley, it. Yeah, side volley it down almost and it cut through about I don't know seven or eight Man United players and found Mane in a really dangerous position on the left hand side and it wasn't too long before the second or third goal I don't think I was just like oh you're a joke Like, how can mm. you play passes like that but that's an example of a, a goalkeeper not just lumping at a field yeah. actually adding value to the, the amount of players they've packed as well yeah, Correct. Um, I mean for me the one again another Liverpool player the one that stands out for all of this is is just Thiago isn't it because mm. he, he just completely every time he has the ball y- you can't see the passes that he sees and I think Jurgen Klopp mentioned that didn't he the other day but he'll just find a way to carve through three or four players every single time, and actually, he also looks after possession as well. I was noticing when I was watching the other day, he looks after possession when he needs to and offloads a really simple pass. Yeah. But then, just on the swivel, will just you know play a carving ball through some players and, and just make so much. Yeah, that that whipped round. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just just makes so much ground and and you know gets into positions that. You just have you just, no right to be in. It's very impressive.
1: Yeah, well, he's a deep line playmaker and the way that his body shape, it looks as though he's going to maybe play out yes. to the fullback and then it suddenly goes in between the lines and it's something I want to come on to. In who's good at actually being in between the lines yeah. to receive the ball as well? Who do but, you think of, though? No, I, I think of Thiago as well. I think the one of the main examples or high-profile examples with Thiago was that um, Champions League final final game for Bayern Munich yeah. um, a couple of years ago now where I think it was to Joshua Kimmich um, well, that was the goal. It was the 1-0 yeah. you know, win. That he, he played it from deep. He was collecting it pretty much in his own third. And it just took out so many players. And he had that exact one that just then advanced it. And that, I think we might have even spoken about that same example before. That is a prime example of more the possession value thing. Yeah. Yes, he's packed loads of players there as well. But he's actually added so much value. He won't get the assists. He won't even get the pre-assists. No. But he has added so much value to the team there in his action. So I think Thiago is is one of the main ones but as i say i think it's interesting to to think of the players who actually do receive it almost yet who is the player who is the packing receiver obviously adding value in that regard as well are there more players who show for the ball to be able to you know yeah. for that pass to actually occur so who is, you know, playing between the lines, for example, that's always really good ones as well. Yes, maybe fullbacks are more likely to, to be those people because they're going to stay wide and they've got yeah. some space. But maybe in more central areas, who is who are those players who maybe drop off the, the last line, receive the ball between the lines and then obviously build from there. They are valuable players. I feel like we
0: need a better term than packing receiver. Maybe they are the players who are unpacking
1: because, are unpacking. because
0: the player who's making the pass is packing and the player who's looking to show is unpacking the team. Yes, okay. Yeah, I'm, we'll nodding, with I'm that. nodding like I've made something really insightful there. Okay. Um, but yes, I know what you mean. You can't make those ridiculous passes unless there is someone looking to make that move or showing for the ball, mm-hmm. etc. And these are the kind of players that you hear all the time, don't you, when commentators are sort of saying the, the, the things you don't see. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's very hard to assign value, I would imagine, to, to players like it's like the Mason Mount example, isn't it? Yeah. Which who who every, everyone always says does really unbelievable work, and for for the average sort of football fan, I, it's very difficult to quantify, and you can't see what players like him do. But Firmino as well, I think, is probably Some, someone who's mm-hmm. who who has a touch, you know, really really good. And, and just knows where to be and makes it really difficult for defenders to mark them because they get themselves into these positions and are able to receive the ball. And then when they do, it causes all sorts of problems about moving the team around, doesn't it? And so exactly. I'm guessing that's what you mean
1: by the... The- absolutely no absolutely and it, it does yeah it drags the other the, the opposition center backs maybe out of position it allows the the wingers or the wide forwards to to come in and fill that space as well but it's it's something which John Muller through The Athletic actually did a really interesting piece on that we need to give more credit to the pass receivers yeah because obviously I think we spoke about this before as well that it's it's a two-way street isn't it a yeah. pass for a pass to occur you need the person to pass and you need the person to receive now it all of the typically all of the credit goes to the person who makes the pass, you know, thinking of Tiago, like fantastic passing, but the way that any one of his teammates, whether it's Trent Alexander Arnold or Salah, often when he plays those balls are making those runs to be able to advance the ball. If they're yeah. just if they're just static or, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold staying, you know, in his full-back position near his center-back, then the value that Thiago adds isn't going to be as much. Yeah. So it takes, you know, two to Tango almost. Yeah. It, it, it's all about the ball receiver as well. And players like Firmino, Mason Mount, maybe Silva Bernardo Silva, I was going to say, Lacazette this season as well, where yeah. he's dropping in really well. Historically, obviously, someone like Lionel Messi playing that yeah. false nine role. He's an obvious example. But those players who make themselves available for those really good passes as yeah. well. Really important.
0: It's so true, because you'd never see on Sky Sports, would you, uh, 25 passes received? Do you know what I mean? As as a statistic, that would never be a thing, would it? Is there a way, in terms of, the, obviously, the analytics community love uh, a visualisation of... of things am i right in thinking that i've seen on the 23 content toolbox before uh, i don't know if i told you right we
1: <laughs> are in association i with mentioned it in a while actually we should probably remind uh-huh. people of
0: that um but is there it, am i right in thinking i've seen something that sort of says average positions where a players receive a ball or something just to short sort of show what position they're getting into
1: yeah no exactly and even progressive passes received as well. So yeah. I think then it goes one further, doesn't it, when coming back to the you know the packing example of where you've actually received it where it's gone forward because yeah. you can anyone can receive a square pass, but it's it, it's the location of those passes that have been progressive. So it shows that you're maybe more likely to have then made a run rather than just getting it, you know, back off someone. Yeah. So I think that yeah, it's it's always the context which packing does to a certain extent of the yeah, the value of those passes either made or received. So I think that, you know, to sort of summarize this episode, it does fall into the same category as talking about passing from the expected threat angle, the possession value angle, how much, not just how much are you passing and how much is, what is your pass completion rate, but how much are you actually contributing to the likelihood that your team is going to score a goal? Yeah. And that is obviously the name of the game. And I'll leave you with this, Ryan. This is a quote actually from um, someone called Christoph Biermann, who who actually wrote a really interesting book called Football Hackers: The Science and Art of a Data Revolution. Um, which is yeah, a fantastic title as well. And the quote about packing is this: Spending time getting to grips with packing has changed my view of football games. The metric is sharp and the focus on killer passes and suicidal loss of possession. I pay more attention to passing recipients and less to the passer. And I think that summarized it really well. Yeah. He said, Don't watch the ball, watch the intelligence of the player seeking the ball. oh! So he said it better than us spending 10 minutes on it in three sentences.
0: Mason Mount should have that as his Twitter handle. There Don't watch the ball. Watch the intelligence of the player seeking the ball. There you go. If what you're listening, way. Mason, take that and stick it on there. So yeah. that, that's really good. I like that lot.
1: What a way to sign off.
0: Mark, the timing of this episode and the subject of packing has actually worked really well with a new twitter account that i discovered mm-hmm. uh, that has quickly become my favorite twitter account um the handle is at sexy passers. so immediately <laughs> I, I was obviously uh, drawn to it straight away and it's called no context sexy Passers, and it literally does what it says on the tin it, it every day seems to post from the archives uh, a new pass that is just from i don't know the 2000s even recently um, and they're actually all really applicable to the subject mm. of packing, because there's one that came out I think yesterday, and it was uh, it was from the Champions League final, and it was Kaka carving through a pass of a whole Liverpool team. Jamie Carragher flat on his back yeah. uh, to play through the striker and, and they scored. I'm sure you remember that one well. Yeah. And every day there's a better example. There was one from Xabi Alonso where he sort of hit a pass on the swivel that I'd never seen before through Luz garcia yeah. Unbelievable. Taking out many, many players. But also sort of a lot of them are, uh, have got good possession value as well because they're often assists that are sort of ridiculous. So yeah, yeah for anyone who doesn't follow at Sexy
1: Passers, shout out to them. It's absolutely fantastic! Have you seen it? Have you seen a couple of the examples? I've seen, yeah, I've seen those examples, and yeah, this is something actually we can get the listeners to to message in on. You know, what are your best examples of these players who are doing more more packing? Whether it is just looking at that, yeah, um, that Twitter handle, but I mean, another example I can think of maybe Paul Scholes. He's someone who just gets it, you know, you yeah, get it out of his feet and just get it forward nice and early yeah um, plenty of examples there but yeah send in you yeah. know examples of either a pass which takes out loads of players whether it is from that Twitter yeah. account um, or just examples of players who come to mind when you think who takes the team out in terms of the opponents more so than others and who maybe plays more of a safer pass
0: yeah and then next episode we'll unpack
1: them oh my god <laughs> We all have our roles, don't we? We all have our roles in this, uh, this podcast. You know,
0: there's like a thing that comes up and it says, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. And then I almost didn't because it was that bad. But come on, give me something. I, I think it's about
1: time we wrapped up, Ryan. Don't <laughs> you? Yeah, we packed it in. <laughs> packed yeah. it in, yeah. Pack it in now. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, listeners. That's all I can do is apologise. But um, if you want to complain about Ryan, you know <laughs> you know where to find us. Yeah. We are fanalytics.pod at gmail.com. Packing his bags. Email us. He's packing his bags. I mean, I am. (laughs) Um, Or, of course, we're on Twitter and Instagram at fanalyticspod. I can guarantee you that Ryan is thinking of another example of (laughs) trying to fit the word packing in. So before he does, I will sign off. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. Oh, I haven't got anything. And we will see you next time. No, it's gone.